are bike. Welcome to another episode of the Ace of Spades podcast. I am your host, Cam, a.k.a. the Dynasty Demigod, a.k.a. the Ace of Spades Thanos, a.k.a. the four-time champion, champ, 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 a.k.a. Mr. Okay, I'm reloaded. And I am joined today by nobody. I'm in the lab dolo today. Once again on my David Ruffin shit. Because ain't nobody coming to see you, Curtis. And I am here to talk some Ace of Spades Dynasty League football. Guys, we are officially two weeks away from the NFL season. Given everything that's happened over the past several months, I'd be lying to you if I told you I was confident a few months ago that I'd be sitting here on the mic right now telling y'all that we are having an NFL season and a fantasy season in approximately two weeks. In approximately two weeks, I, Cam, the ace of spades, Thanos, will be smoking on that Tabron pack two weeks from now. I will be hanging 300 points on Tabron's head. Can't wait. Bart Scott voice. So let's dive right into it because I have a lot of points to cover. Let's get into some dynasty fantasy football player news. Starting with Chiefs running back Daryl Williams on the rise. Take that, KB. Fuck you, Ray. Niggas had jokey jokes about me picking up Daryl Williams off waivers. And let me tell y'all something that most of the intelligent GMs in this league already know. Cam don't do nothing for free. Cam don't do nothing for play. If I'm picking somebody up, there is intention and purpose behind that pickup. And if you think it's funny, you just need to understand that I'm smarter than you. And I know something that you do not know. So, Ray, KB, before you laugh, next time, just think. Look at your team and look at mine. And then decide if you think anything that I'm doing is still funny. Moving on, moving on. Next bit of news, Joe Mixon missing practices. My guy Joe Mixon has been sitting out due to migraines. This is something that has never come up on an injury report for Joe Mixon. So it's rumored that this nigga doesn't have migraines at all. He's just holding out. And you're going to see a lot of creative ways for players who are in contract negotiations to kind of sit out of practice and not do anything in terms of, you know, taking hits or putting their bodies at risk. Uh, Dalvin Cook did it a couple weeks ago. That's where we saw Alexander Madison taking some first team reps. Uh, and now Joe Mixon is reportedly having migraines and he's sitting out. He's in the middle of contract negotiations. So I think uh, Joe Mixon is just kind of playing hardball and he wants a new deal. So I'll definitely be keeping my eye on that situation. Uh, Big Ben feeling confident about his elbow. Of course, that's what he's supposed to say. I don't really buy too much into it. There have been conflicting beat writer reports coming out of Steelers camp. Some people have been saying Big Ben's throw motion looks different. And some people have been saying that he's spinning it pretty well. So, all I know is I don't want any parts of Big Ben. So I don't know who to believe, and I don't really, I don't really give a shit. So, um, moving on. 
David Montgomery expected to miss two to four weeks. This is tough for Elmo, I know, because Elmo's pretty shallow in the running back department. So having one of his starters miss, you know, the first few weeks of the season is going to be pretty impactful. Um, Elmo does have his first round pick. So if he gets off to a really bad start, he could, you know, potentially try to trade off some of his other assets that he still has that would help him contend if he wants to ensure that he has a lottery pick. So go deeper into the rebuild that he's currently on. But I don't know. Um, It's probably too early to let news like this affect how he's going to approach the season. But I thought that was pretty impactful. Debo Samuel rehab report. Debo Samuel is already running sprints. Uh, It was rumored that he could potentially miss the first few weeks of the season. That doesn't seem to be the case. I'm not sure if he's close to 100%, but this report would detail that he's probably pretty close. Um, KB traded away Debo Samuel in an AJ Green trade. I'd be curious to see if KB expected Debo to miss time, and that's why he made the trade or what. Um, Really didn't get an opportunity to hear a lot from KB following that trade, but it's been reported that AJ Green has had difficulty staying healthy in camp. So that trade is really, really, really swinging in Rio's favor as of now. What else we got here? Uh, Some positive news about Traquan Smith and Saints camp. Don't really care because Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas is going to eat up like 70% of those targets. So... Uh, I'm not really sure how much of a breakout Traquan Smith could have. Other interesting news, Bryce Love, role not guaranteed. So there is potential that Bryce Love could get cut. This isn't a surprise to me. Obviously, they still have Adrian Peterson, who's done a fine job on first and second downs there. And even after the Geist news, they had a pretty deep backfield with reports coming out that J.D. McKissick was also having a good camp. And... The future star of the show, Antonio Gibson, has been reported to have an amazing camp so far. He was originally thought to be more of a gadget player who could potentially play a lot in the slot, but they're treating him like a pure running back, which is music to my fucking ears. So he's going to contribute on first uh, first and second down as well. So I didn't really see a path for Bryce Love, even when the report came out from a beat writer that he could potentially compete for that number two role or even potentially start or win that job. I just knew that wasn't going to be the case. It was going to be very difficult for Bryce Love coming off an injury as catastrophic as his injury was and getting up to speed enough to compete with Adrian Peterson and Antonio Gibson, a running back that they just drafted in an early uh, with an early third round pick. Antonio Gibson was essentially uh, a second round pick. He he was drafted with like the the third pick in, in the third round. So that's a ton of draft capital to invest in a running back that you don't plan on using a lot. So Antonio Gibson, his role was always secure just based on the draft capital. Adrian Peterson's role was secure based on his experience and his ability to create yards, even at his age. And J.D. McKissick, as a pass catching specialist, uh, it was going to be difficult for a one dimensional running back like Bryce Love to beat him out as well. Moving on. Other news, Benny Snell on the rise. This is good news for Justin. I know he has Benny Snell, uh, but more so because he has James Conner and James Conner is fragile. So. Hearing news that Benny Snell is getting good reviews out of camp and knowing that James Conner is probably going to miss games because he does every single year is good news. And last bit of news, is Le'Veon Bell dust? Like, somehow the Miami Dolphins just got the Jets to give them a draft pick for fucking Kalen Balaj. And for those of you who don't know who Kalen Balaj is, Kalen Balaj is a meme, 
That nigga is a meme. He is probably one of the worst NFL players I've ever seen play in my life. He is not good at football. Hashtag not good at football. And somehow the Jets thought that Le'Veon Bell was so fucking bad in camp that they needed to send a conditional seventh round pick in order to acquire Kalen Bala. That just doesn't make me feel good about Le'Veon Bell. They already have Frank Gore and Adam Gase is a terrible play caller and the offensive line is terrible and they didn't give Sam Darnold enough weapons in the passing game to open up the run game. I just don't like the idea of them being so desperate to fix their backfield that they go out and get Kalen Balaj. So, Chris, when you listen to this, I'm not trying to shit on Bell, but, man, I would be super nervous to have him on my dynasty team right now if I were you. He's already 28 years old, and he plays for a coach that doesn't want him there. Hopefully they can trade him and he can go to a situation that – you know, we'll give him the opportunity to score some fantasy points, but I don't think it's going to be in New York. Anyway, let's move on into some Ace of Spades news and notes. So the podcast is moving to three episodes per week during the regular season. There will be so much content on a week-to-week basis. Uh, one episode will not be enough. So I look forward to hopping on the podcast uh, at least three times a week. There's going to be so many news items to cover. We have to do weekly updates on, you know, head-to-head matchups throughout the week. Those are going to be so fucking funny. And we're going to try to have a lot of special guests on those podcasts. You know, once I smoke Tay Brown week one, maybe I'll get his melon head ass on a podcast to sit there and uh, explain why he lost by so many points or something like that. Uh, what else? League scoring settings are still being finalized, so don't be surprised if you see a sleeper notification that I've messed with the scoring, particularly IDP scoring settings. I'm still looking for creative ways to add values uh, to IDPs. Um, We've had over 50 trades this offseason, and none of them have involved IDPs, so that means we don't value them enough. Um, And I want to change that as they're a pretty big part of what we're trying to do with the league. So. I don't want to heavily inflate their scoring, but I will if I have to. Uh, There's just not enough people who see the value in IDPs. I know that will change throughout the season when people notice their deficiencies in IDP scoring, but I really wish I would have seen some more trades involving IDPs because they will be important contributions to uh, your week-to-week scoring output. Feel free to share any ideas as this is something that I've actually struggled with, like trying to figure out. So if you have any ideas about how we can get creative with IDP scoring, uh, text them to me or send them in a chat. Last bit of news for our league, update your team name and Avi's. No generic shit has ever been allowed in Ace of Spades, and it won't be allowed just because we switched platforms. So anybody who hasn't updated their team name and is still named Team Danny 19 please change your fucking team name. Let's also petition the Force Elmo to change his. Take a knee is, you know, I understand the message. Take a knee is not a fucking team name, bro. Like, it's a statement. It's not a team name. It's like you, you make me awkward with that team name. I just I don't know how else to put it. It's just awkward and weird. Anyway, let's get into the first segment because I have a few to cover. I want to make sure I get through this information as quickly as possible. The first segment that we're diving into today is who did it best. This is the preseason award show. So I'm giving you guys a front row seat into the offseason review. Now that the fantasy season is less than two weeks away, it's time to reevaluate rosters as each GM has executed their offseason strategy. 
is done. So look at your team and where your team is and ask yourself, when the season ended last year, is this what I set out to accomplish in the offseason? This past offseason, we got the opportunity to see which direction GMs decided to take their teams based off their offseason moves. And boy, was it fucking hilarious to watch. This is by far the most active offseason we've ever had in this league. And some people made some very interesting trades, to say the least, and to be kind. So who did it best this offseason? This is based on action and activity, not final team standing. So when we talk about, you know, best contender, it doesn't mean who I think has the best team. This is based on the amount of activity and how the respective team executed the strategy that they set out for. So we have three categories, of course. Best contender, which is teams that are contending for a title based on talent or just self-proclamation. Like uh, BT coming out saying, I don't need picks. I need players. I'm trying to win. Is a perfect example of somebody who is not a contender or a reloader, but just thinks they're contending because they don't have a good grasp on reality. Um, Next category is who had the best reload. Now, these are teams just based on activity who thought that they were maybe a piece or two away from contending. So this is a smaller category. And then... Uh, last but not least, best rebuild. And these are teams who are in the process of or close to a full rebuild. And let's go through these categories and group them. So for best contender, I'm sorry, let's group them and announce who won the preseason award for the respective category. So let's go to best contender first. Teams that are contending based on talent, King of Diamonds, Mamba Mentality, Paid in Full, Team Danny 19, Hail Pablo, LOL, and Ball So Harders, LOL. So let's start with King of Diamonds. Notable acquisitions for KOD, Patrick Mahomes and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Mamba Mentality, notable acquisitions, Julio Jones, Keenan Allen, and Zach Ertz. Paid in Full, notable acquisitions are Cam Akers, which he got via draft, and Josh Allen, which he got via trade. Team Danny, notable acquisitions, Jonathan Taylor via draft, Matthew Stafford via trade, Hale Pablo, LOL. Notable acquisitions, Lamar Jackson, A.J. Green, Aaron Jones, Raheem Mostert, and Cam Newton. And Ball So Harders, LOL, DJ Shark. The winner of this preseason award for building the best contender uh, it pains me to say this but it's fucking justin and this isn't based on final team standing in terms of talent it's just based on the amount of ground that justin covered to get from point a to point b so based on where his team was following the conclusion of last season and where his team is now he gained more ground than anyone including you know myself um It was close, honestly, between him and KB because KB made so many waves. I just think KB made a minor misstep with the AJ Green trade. I don't think that was the asset he could have acquired. And I believe if KB would have sent that same trade a week earlier, he would have gotten Julio Jones as opposed to AJ Green. And this would be a different conversation. 
So it was a really close race between Justin and KB, but I think Justin edged him out because not only did he have a similar amount of activity to KB, he wasn't quite where KB was in terms of activity, but um, in terms of trade activity, I should say, and and acquiring starters because Justin has had more activity than anyone um, besides maybe myself. Uh, But Justin Justin has the the activity to go along with the best title shot. Justin is in a two or three man race for, in my opinion, uh, best roster in terms of upside and ability to contend for a title. So not only did he put in the work, his finished product is better than KB's. So Justin um, wins the offseason award for best contender. Let's go to best reload. These guys are just (sighs) meh, you know, because, you know, we look at. Nikhil and Meharry in this category, which is Chris's team, Team UCBT Smoke now beat down, I believe, from the chat, and New Jack City, which is Jamal's team. And Nikhil and Meharry, their offseason acquisitions were Teddy Bridgewater and Nick Foles. BT's offseason acquisitions were Dwayne Haskins and period. And New Jack City's free agent acquisitions that are notable were just Joe Burrow through draft. So it was difficult for me to determine which of these guys had the best reload because they had minimal activity, but I went ahead and awarded it to Jamal because I think his team has a better path and higher upside for the future. So he acquired Joe Burrow in the draft, but also acquired Denzel Mims and Brandon Ayuk, which I think is going to be a smash for Jamal. Chris didn't really have any any draft picks until the 30s. So he was only able to make his waves through um, free agency. And with BT, he had a good draft, but he didn't draft any players that I think are going to contribute to his success this season. I thought he had a good draft with his first two picks grabbing Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs. I believe in both of those players, but I don't think either of those players are going to make enough of a contribution to warrant starter consideration on his team this season. So for this offseason, I have to award it to Jamal because out of these three guys, Jamal had the best draft. But a note to all three of these teams, Chris, BT, and Jamal, you guys have to increase your activity. Um I don't like tweener teams. I don't like fringe playoff teams. And some of you, if not all of you in this group, should probably push more towards towards a, a rebuild than a reload because I think you're more than a couple pieces away. So give me feedback if you want about, you know, what direction you're planning to take your team because it's hard for me to, you know, kind of disseminate based on the information that I have what exactly you guys are doing because – I don't think you guys are making enough moves for teams that are French playoff teams. You either want to be selling those assets that have value to accrue, you know, younger players or draft capital, or you guys should be, um, what am I trying to say? You guys should either be acquiring draft capital or sending your draft capital away to acquire players that are going to bolster your roster for the season. Sorry. I had a, a notification come through. They distracted me, but anyway, Best reload goes to Jamal, New Jack City. Let's go into <laughs> let's go into the best rebuild. Teams that are in or close to a full rebuild. In this category, we have take a knee. Ugh. Change that team name, bro. 
LA King, which is Rio's team, and show you right. Ugh. I know why you have that team name, bro, but you got to change that. I don't, that's not a team name either. That's just an inside joke that nobody else gets except me and you. Anyway, this was the toughest category to call by far because I can easily make a case for any of these three GMs. With Take a Knee, Elmo's team, you have multiple first and second round picks over the next two seasons, and he acquired J.K. Dobbins and Daniel Jones, which if he hits, Elmo really, really killed that Lamar Jackson trade. And then you have L.A. King, who has four first-round picks in 2023, which he sneakily set himself up for this because I thought he only had two, but I forgot about the one he acquired from KB. So he now has 33% of the fucking first-round picks in 2023. Obviously, that's a little ways away, which is why I didn't award the Best Rebuild Offseason Award to Rio because it's going to take so long for those picks to materialize. And I wanted to give this award to somebody who had a faster path uh, on their rebuild. Um, and that would be the last team. It, it would be show you right. It, it's it's race team. His notable acquisitions this season were DeAndre Swift, Baker Mayfield, and three first-round picks. So Ray is another team similar to Elmo who has multiple first-round picks over the next two seasons. And he also got a really, really good draft pick in DeAndre Swift. So not only did he acquire a ton of draft capital off the back of the Patrick Mahomes trade, he also had the opportunity to draft some really good players this past year's draft. So can't believe I'm saying this, but the offseason, I'm sorry, the offseason award for best rebuild goes to Ray. So moving on, moving on. Let's get into segment number two. This is a perfect segue into the GM of the year race. One section of the dynasty season is coming to an end, the offseason. So let's talk about the race so far for GM of the year. This is an award that was won by Danny last year, and it's a measure of draft proficiency, trade proficiency, and free agent acquisition hit rate. This is also a race that was pretty close, but um, once again, this race, uh, I think, is led by by Justin. Um, he's probably winning this race so far by a decent margin based on some of the things that I already covered with, um, you know, his acquisitions via trade. But he's also made some pretty nice acquisitions, uh, low-key acquisitions through free agents, uh, free agency, I should say. And even though Justin didn't have a draft pick into the 30s, he drafted some players that I really liked that late. Um, he drafted some players that have a ton of upside, and they probably got drafted where they should have been. So not necessarily he, he got steals in those ranges, but I think he hit on the draft picks that he did have. Um, Ray is up here in consideration in this race, too. He catapulted himself into the top three off the back of a really good trade. Obviously, the one that he made with me and a decent draft. Elmo is also in this race for GM of the year so far. Similarly to Ray, I was impressed with his Lamar Jackson trade. If Daniel if Daniel Jones hits, that's, that's going to be really huge for Elmo. Um, this is one of my least favorite drafts by Elmo over the years, but I still think he did well. 
and Rio to round off the top four in the GM of the year race. Very, very sneaky setup for future years. Uh, like I said, he now has a third of the first round picks in 2023. Um, though in a rebuild, Rio needs to be very careful about trading first round picks, especially in the condition his team is in, because that pick could prove to be very valuable. So that's the knock on Rio um, as he's setting himself up to be strategic and succeed in future years. He has to understand that. When you're in a rebuild, you don't trade your first round picks. You acquire other people. So, Rio, when you listen to this podcast, just keep that in mind. You want to hold on to as many of those draft picks as possible. You don't want to punt any draft when you're on a rebuild. It, it'll it'll set you back. Um, Rio had an okay draft. He did a great job acquiring draft capital, obviously. Some head-scratching trades from Rio when you evaluate them one at a time. But if you look at the holistic view of what Rio has done, I'd say it's actually pretty impressive. The only valuable assets Rio really gave up to acquire all of the draft capital he did over the next three years is two 31-year-old receivers. So, like I said, Rio's in a, in a very close race um, with Justin, I'd say, for GM of the year. And Rio could have easily won the award for best rebuild. It, it, it was honestly a, a three-way tie between elmo rio and ray because i like what all of them did uh so i think rio is in a really good position uh for the future obviously you have to hit on the draft picks kb was in a similar situation a couple years ago where you had i don't even know like in a in a three-round draft kb had like 12 picks or some something crazy like that and he missed on a lot of them so uh, Rio, uh, I, I, I know he has a lot of uh, draft capital, but he, he has to be strategic about how he fits those draft picks into his roster. Because when you acquire a lot of draft picks, you have to fit them somewhere. So that means you have to cut players. So you don't want to go too crazy acquiring picks because you're going to be in a situation where you have to cut or trade players that you may not want to remove from your roster. Obviously, Rio has several years to go before he has to have that conversation. But it's just something to keep in mind when you're going gung-ho for draft capital in the future. Next segment, one of uh, the most popular segments on the show, grade the trade. Uh, we've had three trades that have taken place over the past couple of weeks, and I want to dive into them, uh, starting with the most recent. So today we got a notification that a trade was pending between Danny and Justin, where Danny sent Ronald Jones, the running back for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and Chris Herndon, the tight end for the New York Jets, to Justin in exchange for Elmo's 2021 third round pick, Justin's 2022 second round pick, and Justin's 2023 second round pick. So again, Danny sends Ronald Jones and Chris Herndon to Justin for Elmo's 2021 third round pick, Justin's 2022 second round pick, and Justin's 2023 second round pick. So a third, which should be a mid or early third, and two late round, second round picks. This trade was, my initial thoughts on this trade was, it's like a math trade. I think if you believe in the potential of Ronald Jones, this is a good trade for Justin. From Danny's perspective, I, I think there's a lot of confusion that comes with the trades that 
Danny does with Justin just because these trades are so close and you're acquiring draft capital. So I'm not saying that Danny's necessarily giving up sure things with these players because I don't think in any way that they are, but he has given up players that have a path to contribute. And when you do that, you want to make sure you get some semblance of a short thing in return, which would be a solid draft pick. If you were going to do a pick heavy deal, you have to get a draft pick that's going to mean something. And I'm not sure any of these picks mean anything. The 2021 third round pick is probably like the best value because it's coming up this year and it's going to be Elmo. So maybe Elmo has an early second, but this 2022 second for Justin is is not going to be a good pick. It's going to be a pick in the 20s. And knowing how savvy of a GM Justin is, this 2023 second round pick is also going to be in the 20s. So Danny says he likes the picks. I'll get into the GM comments in a moment. But the short-term value aspect, obviously, Justin's getting the players. So he's winning the short-term aspect, obviously. I, I wouldn't say Danny's losing. The, there's no way you can lose the short-term value aspect if you didn't get a player in return. So that not goes to Justin, but it's not a knock on Danny. Long-term value, I'm not sure Danny actually wins the long-term value aspect of this trade, even though he has the draft picks in the future. Um, he has to hit on those draft picks. And when you're drafting in the 20s, it's 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 really difficult to hit on those draft picks. Those are far from sure things. And that's where all these picks are going to be. They're, they're all going to be top 24, but picks 20 to 24 and potentially a pick in the top 30, which is going to be anywhere from 25 to 36, depending on where Elmo finishes. So Okay, I had some technical difficulties with my audio, but I believe it's fixed now. So let me pick up where I left off. The trade between Danny and Justin. So I believe where I left off was long-term value. So I was saying, I'm not really sure Danny wins the long-term value aspect of this trade, even with the draft picks, just because the picks that he acquired, Elmo's 2021 third-round pick, Justin's 2022 second-round pick, and Justin's 2022 three second round pick those picks are so invaluable it's going to be very difficult for Danny to hit on them it's just very hard to hit in this range although Danny is pretty adept at drafting those picks are are pretty deep um you start throwing darts when you get into the 20s and that's that's where Justin is going to be picking in 2022 and as savvy of a GM as Justin is he's probably going to be picking in the 20s in the second round in 2023 so Danny isn't even a lock to hit on those picks. So he isn't a lock to win the long-term value aspect of this trade if Ronald Jones and Chris Herndon actually break out, which obviously we can't call it now, but they have potential to do so, especially Ronald Jones, given that he plays in a good offense and he's going to have every opportunity to contribute because he does not have much competition. So let's talk about roster construction. Obviously, this is a pick-laden deal. It's a pick-heavy deal. Danny didn't acquire any players, so roster construction, I guess you can give the nod to Justin. If Justin is going to be able to play either of these players this season, which I imagine he'll have the opportunity to play Ronald Jones, even if he doesn't break out just due to uh, bye weeks and injuries, um, you know, those are both inevitable every season. So 
Roster construction, uh, pretty meaningless in this trade just because uh, Danny doesn't have a, a horse in that race because he didn't acquire any players. So let's get into the GM comments about the trade. Starting with Danny. Quote, I like picks. <laughs> and Rojo slot is Singletary, Rojo, Carson spot. So what I can do with the picks is more than what I could do with Rojo. Danny, we, we know you like picks and young players. Um, unfortunately, you don't like to win games. Aha, goofy nigga, you hella weak. But anyway, Danny goes on to say, obviously, if he break out, I fucked up. But Tampa drafted a back and brought in a vet. So they can't be too sold on what they had on the team already. Which, to an extent, I agree with Danny because we've talked about this on previous podcasts. If a team has confidence in their backfield they don't make more than one move in the offseason to acquire a back generally like they may draft a running back in the sixth seventh round if they feel like somebody like fell hella late or they might bring in a veteran if they have a really young uh, crowded backfield uh, of like of youth but the fact that you know, they retained Dario Gumbawale. The fact that they drafted a running back, and not only did they draft a running back, they spent day two draft capital on a running back by taking Keyshawn Vaughn in the third round. They also uh, head-scratchingly brought in the skeleton of LaShawn McCoy. So I understand Danny's perspective if he thinks that there's just so much to disseminate from that backfield. He doesn't feel too confident in Ronald Jones. And if that's the case and Ronald Jones goes on to just produce at the level that he did last year, I'd say this is a pretty decent trade for Danny if that's what he was looking to accomplish, you know, with him liking draft picks and all. So let's move on to the comments from Justin. Quote, the main focus for me was to find valuable depth from my squad. Rojo has potential to be a top 20 back, and he had a lot of upside being 23. Herndon could definitely break out this year and do some big things. He also has upside. End quote. I agree with Heavy's comments as well. Um, Ronald Jones absolutely has potential to be a top 20 back. Uh, he's a starting back for NFL franchise. There are only 32 starting backs in the NFL. So him being a top 20 back is absolutely within the range of outcomes. Um, he's only 23 years old. It generally doesn't take running backs this long to break out, but he plays in a really good offense, like I said, and they're going to score a lot of touchdowns. So if Ronald Jones is in a position to get some high-value touches, meaning he's getting the goal line work, carries within the five-yard line, and he can find a way to get some targets from Tom Brady, he can absolutely be a top-20 back. I mean, fuck, he could be a, he could be a top-15 back. I mean, he's a starting running back on an NFL franchise. There are only 32 of them. So it's definitely within the range of outcomes for him to be a top-20 back or better. Chris Herndon, I don't have a good enough grasp of Chris Herndon's talent profile to give you guys a real overview of this player, but he is somebody who fantasy GMs that I trust around other dynasty circles have told me in the past that they were targeting or hinted that I should probably target Chris Herndon somewhere because they believe on his talent. I don't follow the Jets closely enough to give you guys a beat on this player, but if Heavy thinks that he has upside, which you know from the research that I was able to do, him and Ronald Jones have had really good camps, then this is a good trade for Justin. Um, going into the trade grades, um, I'll give Danny a fucking C- minus for this trade just because the picks that he acquired, I just, 
I mean, they're, they're two second round picks, two and three years down the road, and it's Elmo's third round pick, which is probably the most valuable asset that he acquired just because the pick is in 2021 and Elmo should have a pick in the late 20s. His third round pick should be in the late 20s. So uh, Denny didn't really acquire any valuable draft capital. So I think this is a trade that is fine, but he probably could have acquired more if he was more aggressive with other GMs or if he really believed in the breakout of Ronald Jones, he should have waited until the season started for Ronald Jones to produce fantasy points and traded him to somebody who was in need of a running back. It just happens every year. So for those reasons, I give Danny a C minus for Justin. I give Justin a solid B on this trade because the draft capital that he gave up is meaningless to what he's trying to do with his team. It's not very valuable. And he acquired players that he believe have the propensity to break out. So I think me and Justin were on the same chord when it comes to Ronald Jones. I was actually tempted to send Danny a second round pick to acquire Ronald Jones not too long ago. Coincidentally, the second round pick is actually Danny's second round pick. So that's a trade that I was looking to make. But I decided that the second round pick is more valuable to me than Ronald Jones, even if Ronald Jones breaks out just because I trust my draft prowess and I know that I'm going to have a really high success rate drafting a player in the second round. So I decided to keep my pick. But, um, yeah, I, I give I give Heavy Low a B on this trade. I think it was a good trade for him. Um, let's get into the second one. So this trade involves Rio and myself, where Rio sends Zach Moss to me in exchange for my 2021 third-round pick, my 2022 third-round pick, and my 2023 first-round pick. So – Let's get into short-term value. Obviously, this is very similar to the trade that we just discussed between Danny and Justin, where it's a pick-heavy deal for a player. So uh, for short-term value, obviously, I get the nod there because I actually have a playable asset for the next season. Um, And Rio just acquired uh, draft capital. Uh, So long-term value, um, I think it's, it's fair to say that Rio's going to... Not fair to say. Real won the long-term value aspect of this trade. Uh, even if Zach Moss is a talented player and he can contribute to my fantasy success, he's a running back and they generally only have four to five-year shelf lives. The most important pick that Rio acquired in this trade is a 2023 first-round pick, which is a top-12 pick. And that pick is going to be valuable um, more than likely for Rio's team through the year fucking 2030. So Rio is 100% going to outlast me in this trade. So the long-term value aspect goes to him. Roster construction, again, similarly to the previous trade, it doesn't really mean anything. Rio acquired uh, picks for a player. So roster construction, um, don't really have any comments on that. Uh, I got some some texts from people after I made this trade asking me what the fuck the deal was with Zach Moss and why I was willing to pay so much for him. So Um, I will confirm that this was definitely an overpay for me. And what I did was intentional. So Rio spent first round draft capital acquiring this player. So in order for me to position a trade to Rio to acquire Zach Moss, I wanted to make Rio feel whole in that regard. So I didn't want to give up 
you know, a first round pick over the next two seasons because Rio reached in the first round. Rio reached almost a full round in ADP to grab Zach Moss at pick nine overall. So Zach Moss is somebody who has an ADP of like a late second rounder. and Rio drafted him at nine. So I wasn't going to give Rio a first round pick from this year, next year, because I don't think Zach Moss is worth a first. But the pick is so far in the future for me, I was willing to part ways with it because I know over the next couple of years, if I want to get into the first round in 2023, I can do that. Uh, so, yeah, I gave up a first round pick. Um, not because I feel like Zach Moss is worth the first round pick, but I knew that is what it was going to take to get the deal done. So those can be used as my GM comments on this trade. I do actually have comments from Rio as well and quote, decided to do the trade because it was more than fair. You gave up a lot of assets to acquire Moss and I decided why not? I was being a little hardcore at first, but you made it make sense. And the lore of having four first round picks, I couldn't refuse. I agree with everything Rio said in his comments um, for what Rio is doing and the direction that he's taking his team. Um, I think this is a really good trade for him because where his trade, uh, I'm sorry, where his team is headed and how he's building his team, he's building it for several years down the road. And while Zach Moss could turn out to be a decent fantasy asset, I don't think he's going to be elite at his position. And with the amount of draft capital that Rio has acquired over the next few years, he will be able to replace a Zach Moss caliber player. And when Rio was trying to contend in 2024, 2025, uh, whenever all of these moves that Rio has made start to come to fruition, um, Zach Moss is not going to be a player that he misses. So getting into the trade grades for myself, I give myself a C. Uh, this is a net neutral trade, in my opinion. Um, I wanted to acquire some additional RB depth after we got the news that Darius Geis was a fucking moron and potentially a rapist. So I needed to acquire a running back who was going to get touches. And I feel like the split in um, Buffalo was going to be uh, in, in favor of Zach Moss. I think he's better than Devin Singletary. So even though Josh Allen is going to soak up a lot of those red zone carries or five zone carries, I should say. I still think Zach Moss is going to be a decent high floor running back. So for myself, I give it a C. It's a net neutral trade. I think it's a fine trade for me. I wasn't super enthusiastic about it, but I do like the player in Zach Moss and I was willing to give up a future pick for him. For Rio, I give him a B plus for all the things that I mentioned before, just piggybacking off Rio's comments. For what he's trying to do with his team and the ability to have, you know, one third or 33 percent of the first round in 2023 locked up already. I think it's a brilliant trade for Rio. It aligns with his strategy. So for him, I give him a B plus. Uh, let's get into the last trade. The last trade. I saved the best for last. The last trade is a trade between fucking Elmo again, bro, and KB. <laughs> Both of these niggas have made some of the Funniest fucking trades all offseason. So this one does not disappoint. Elmo sends Keyshawn Vaughn, a player that he just drafted in the second round of our rookie draft, and a player who was drafted in the third round in the NFL draft. He just sent him away in exchange for Cole Komet in KB's 2021 fourth round pick. Is this thing on? Elmo sent Keyshawn Vaughn, 
a running back that was drafted in the third round of the NFL draft to KB for Cole Komet and a 2021 fourth round pick. Yo, look, I, I really just don't know what the fuck this trade even means. Like, let's get into the trade evaluation. All right. Short term value. Who the fuck knows? This trade is just so weird. Like, how can I even call it? Long term value. Who the fuck knows? Part two. I have no idea which one of these bums is actually going to produce any relevant production for fantasy over the next few years. And roster construction, who the fuck knows part three? Like, this is the thing about a trade like this. Elmo sent away a running back that he just drafted in the second round for a player that was drafted in the fourth round and a fourth round pick. We can do this on a future do's and don'ts podcast when it comes to trading like trade dudes and don'ts. Don't draft a player in the second round and before the season even starts, sell him for a fucking fourth round pick. That makes zero sense. That's 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 what we call bad practice. You drafted a player in the middle of the second round, you don't sell him before he plays a snap for two fourth round picks, which is what Elmo essentially did. Cole Komet was drafted in the fourth round of our dynasty draft and he got a 2021 fourth round pick from KB. I just don't understand the logic there. You obviously felt strongly enough to draft this player in the top 18. Why would you sell him for two picks that could potentially be in the 40s? Elmo just lost all of his perceived value of this player in one trade. Uh, So this is just something that I don't like to see in terms of trade practices because just take, for example, the trade that I just discussed with Rio. I didn't acquire Zach Moss for a first rounder because I thought Zach Moss was worth a uh, a first rounder. I'm sorry. I sent the first rounder for Zach Moss because that is what Rio spent on the player. Again, Rio reached into the first round to draft Zach Moss. And I knew if I sent Rio a trade that didn't include a solid dynasty asset in terms of a player or equal value to a first round pick, I just wasn't going to be able to get the deal done. And that's how competent GMs think. So, Elmo, the next time you have a player that you drafted in the top two rounds, please exercise the fucking trade block. Because I guarantee you, out of all the GMs in our league, someone would have been willing to give you more than two fourth round picks for Keyshawn Vaughn. Anyway, real Real um, evaluation of this trade, short-term value, I I guess you can give the nod to KB just on the basis that tight ends just take a while to produce. Um, They generally take three, sometimes four years to materialize into anything fantasy-worthy. And then the fourth-round pick is absolute dust. Like, KB's team is actually decent this year. That fourth-round pick is potentially going to be in the fucking 40s. And Keyshawn Vaughn, he's one injury away from being a starting running back. I mean... Just because a player is having a bad camp doesn't mean that player's NFL career is over. He's having a bad camp. He's fumbling in camp. He's missing assignments in camp. All of those things can be corrected. So I just don't understand the logic in Elmo thinking that it was strategic to trade Keyshawn Vaughn away for two fourth-round picks when he obviously believed in the player enough to push the button on him in the mid-second round. So... For everybody listening to the pod who wants to get better in trading, don't do that. Long-term value, uh, realistically, I I guess you could give the nod to Elmo because 
the tight end and whatever fucking cornerback or safety he's going to draft with his fourth round pick is probably going to outlast Keyshawn Vaughn. And then roster construction, I'm leaving that at who the fuck knows, bro, because I have no idea if either of these players is going to produce fantasy relevant points to warrant starting consideration on either of these guys roster. So GM comments. I didn't get GM comments for this one because it's between fucking Elmo and KB and I didn't trust either of them to give me a logical explanation as to why they made this trade. Actually, I take that back. I know why KB made the trade, uh, but I I didn't trust Elmo to give me a logical explanation as to why he made this trade. But he did offer me a gem, a comment anyway. Quote, I would have sold him for a ham sandwich. End quote. Well, congratulations, Elmo. Anyway, trade grades. I give KB a B plus just off the strength that even if Cole Komet ends up being a good player, he's expendable due to KB's roster build. He already has two good tight ends and Noah Fan and Hayden Hurst. And the premise that rookies that are drafted in a third round of NFL drafts matter. If an NFL organization drafts any player in the third round, they're going to get every opportunity over the course of their four-year contract to produce. Period. That's just how it is because of the investment that the organization made into the player. If you spend a day two pick on the player, that player is going to be on your roster for four years, period. And like I said, Keyshawn Vaughn, even if he's not good, he's a fucking injury away from being a fantasy starter. So just don't like the the trade by Elmo, especially given the direction that Elmo's team is going in. Because I look at another player who had a similar profile coming out of college maybe slightly more pedigree he was drafted around earlier but also struggled in camp also struggled early with drops and blocking assignments and things like that and now in his third year he has the opportunity to make a fantasy impact anybody want to guess who it is it's fucking ronald jones it's the same player we fucking talked about earlier danny was smart enough to hold on to the player until the player had a clear path for fantasy production and danny flipped him for at least a second round and a couple third round picks. So Elmo, this is just a bad trade. So you already know where I'm going with your grade, right? It's a fucking F. It's an F, Elmo. Just just, just off the strength that your execution was piss poor. Even if you don't believe in a talent of Keyshawn Vaughn, which I don't know why you would give up on him so quickly, and you do believe in a talent of Cole Komet, I will tell you right now, you could have gotten Cole Komet from KB for, in your words, a ham sandwich. This Cole Komet in a fourth round pick is absolutely meaningless to KB. You guys got to do a better job of looking into the eyes of your trade partner and determining what they think the value of their players are or determining what they would be willing to sell that player for. And I think that's something that only a couple GMs in this league have a really good grasp of, like myself, Justin, low-key Ray. Uh, I think those guys do a really good job of knowing like what their trade partner is looking for to an extent and they position and build trades around that anyway let's dive into the last segment of the pod power rankings so no changes have been made to the power rankings this week however there will be changes after next week's episode when we dive deeper into each roster and positional groups you are not going to want to miss that episode because Not only are we updating the power rankings and putting more evidence-based 
data analysis behind those. We're also going to do a way too early seasonal rankings projection where I can come on the pod and say, yo, Tabron, I predict that you go 0 and 13 because you you're fucking trash. Like you, you're clearly the worst GM in the league. You clearly have the worst team. So I'm predicting that you go 0 and 13 because you don't know how to draft. You're inactive and your players suck. So I predict that you don't win any games next season. And given that we're doing these predictions preseason before the season starts, it'll be something fun to track for you guys throughout the season. So Tabron can come back to me and say, hey, Cam, remember when you said I was going to go or in 13? Aha, nigga, I went three and 10 instead. Aha, nigga. Well, Tabron, you will have the opportunity to do that. If you win two or three games, which is probably the maximum that your team has the potential to hit. Hey, hey, why did I just do that, bro? Hey, why did I just get on Tay Brown's head like that? That was completely unnecessary. And Tay Brown, I apologize for nothing. I apologize for nothing. Tay Brown, you are so fucking trash, bro. And the devil on my left shoulder just couldn't keep his mouth shut. So Tay Brown... When you listen to this podcast, understand, I apologize for nothing. Understand, you are the worst GM in the league. And understand, you are going to win very few, if any, games this season. And week one, you are going to lose by a very, 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 large margin so yeah you're not gonna want to miss next week's episode so we're going to do a little bit more with the power rankings i haven't quite figured out what but i'm going to make it a bigger part of our league moving forward i don't know if you guys remember but when we used to be on yahoo's platform for our dynasty league post draft they used to send out these blurbs outlining what they thought about each individual GM's draft, and they assigned a letter grade for it. So I know Heavy Low remembers. I know Kurt remembers because, well, for one, we always got A's, and all y'all niggas got D's and F's. So I'm going to do something similar with our power rankings by maybe writing up like a paragraph or so uh, for a highlighted team to determine why we move them up or down in our power rankings. And that'll give you guys something funny to read throughout the season and give us some feedback around why you think your team should be ranked higher or lower, depending on projections or your win total, or if you feel like you're about to get out and go on a streak. But um, it's something that I think I'll have fun doing. I write up the show notes for this podcast. So I figure it would be fun for me to do some write-ups on the power rankings. So you guys let me know if you have any feedback around that. And if that's something you want to see, because I'm thinking about incorporating that into our league during the season. So that's the show. Again, please tune in to next week's episode. You aren't going to want to miss it. We're going to start dropping three episodes per week minimum. So I hope you guys have been enjoying the content. 
we really appreciate y'all listening to the pod, especially me, because it does take time, believe it or not, to put this shit together. And I'm not always speaking from the top of the dome. I have like paragraphs and paragraphs of show notes to keep the podcast organized and as concise as possible. So we do put a little bit of work into it. And I hope you guys appreciate it. Um, anyway, I'm rambling. Drop the outro. I'll let you boys later. And remember, it's up there and it's still stuck there. <laughs>